Welcome to the Desert Street Podcast, the podcast helping you develop forex trading skills for more freedom. I'm your host, Etienne Kret. Let's get started right away. I'm sitting out today with Alejandro, so that's Alejandro. Welcome back. Hi, Etienne. How are you? Totally good. Totally good. I just got back from Taiwan last night, so kind of a change here in Bangkok, but I really love it, so it's going to be totally fun. So, for people that don't know you, not that who you are, just a bit about, about yourself. Well, so I am Alejandro Perez. I am a full-time trader and coach in the Start Trade Academy. And I started trading in 2011, 12, more or less, uh, just when I was finishing high school. Then during all my university, I started to, well, I was trading and studying, and then I finally decided to go and dedicate myself to full-time learning trading after I finished the university. And from then on, I have been evolving as a trader. Um, 2000, was it 15 or 16? In 2016, I joined the academy. Oh, wait, 17. 17, I joined the academy. Yeah, and then after that, I started working to you together uh, in 2018. Well, so basically, last year, at around summer, we worked for Creative Trading Assistant, and now we are working together. I am helping in the academy to answer all your questions that people are in our, our students in the academy. I help answering all the questions. I also direct one of the mastermind calls at least every single month. And I also the one in charge all the trading assistant part and uh, also create helping uh, our clients to create uh, algorithmic strategies and automate their strategies into algorithms. Awesome. I know some of you guys watching us now for sure are already members of the academy. So. If you want to kind of share your thoughts with us on that, we would appreciate it also. I want to get it better over time, of course, and make it bigger and bigger and more powerful for people. So the goal of this is to be, to be helping you guys get more freedom through trading. So we want to do everything we can to get there and have you guys trade full time or achieve whatever dream you have in trading. So in the meantime, that's fine. We'll, we'll uh, leave you guys with that to check out for yourself. But we want to talk about so compounding. So let's go with a big uh, or like a small overview of what is compounding for people that don't know this yet. Well, compounding in the terms that we are talking about, it's more about like compounding interest, right? So most of you know, when you get at, out a loan or a debt from the bank, it's usually compounding interest. So that means that if you owe the bank today $100 and they are charging you, let's say $1 interest per month, just to make it easy calculations, then that means that next month you are going to be owing the bank $101, right? And then the next month, they are going to calculate the interest, but over that, uh, $101 instead of $1. So what you have is that instead of uh, the, you have the, the main amount, of, like your capital or the amount of money you either borrowed or invested, and then you have a fixed amount of interest payments, you can say that the interest keeps growing as the whole amount of capital grows. So as long as you don't pay down that debt or as long as you... If you translate this to a, a investment, it's just the opposite way. So as long as you don't take out money or you don't pay down that debt, it keeps growing, growing incrementally in a pretty, pretty exponential way. About like, and then you can see that will be your like your debt will keep growing or your investment will keep growing. So, but this basically means it's kind of like a snowball effect, right? So. You start with a small amount, earning a small amount of interest, and then over a long, long period of time, 
these type of like small consistent returns can turn into a huge amount of profits uh, compared to the principal because just the interest keep growing and then the interest may become twice the size of the principal and then you are basically having the same amount you invested at the beginning but now you have much more profits that are also working for you to to grow so this is a concept that is pretty well known and pretty well used in investment management and also on like you know like long-term uh, savings and retirement plan and that is actually how they what they rely on to help build uh, wealth like this is the concept that for example warren buffett used to build wealth right he started making relatively small returns and then once he reached certain critical mass from his returns by compounding, he got an exponential amount of money and now he is one of the uh, richest men in the world, right? So it is like applying the same type of concept, but using our own trading and ways. So using that and trying to make it maybe uh, more applicable to how our trading works and how that can work in our favor in our trading accounts. I love that. Awesome. So I think there are kind of like two scenarios here. So scenario number one would be, or even three scenarios, scenario number one would be like, you look at this and you say, well, I use no compounding at all, nothing zero. And just risk like whatever amount of trade forever, all the time. That's scenario one, which is of course not good because like you don't grow much, much faster than, than you would. Scenario two, I guess, would be like, you go with like full compounding, you apply Compounding all the time to grow faster, faster, faster. It's like you risk a lot, of, you risk a percentage on a trade. Next time you risk the same percentage, but it's going to be more money, and then more money and more money over time, which is good. But I think this third scenario where I kind of want to focus on with you guys is find a way to use compounding, but find a way to make a plan so that you grow at the same time as you compound. Which means that it's a principle that Michael Tama, which we had on our channel, talks about: make a plan to graduate. And as a graduate, increase the compounding effect, make it work in your favor. So you might start like a, a fixed position size or like a fixed dollar risk of $10. And just as an example, then you go to, let's say, uh, then you, you grow your account to like double, but you set $10. And then as you reach a certain level of compliance and results, then you increase like, let's say, $15 or $20 so, so that you, you get better and better over time and you risk a little bit more. But it, it doesn't feel like more because you're more confident yourself. And you're better at at taking trades and better at getting results overall. So does that make sense? Yeah, exactly. So basically, it is not just what I explained is more like a general concept, but it can be applied to anything as a skill set from your trade management or like your money management style up to your account and how you see your account like as an investment, right? So it is a pretty pretty broad concept that can be pretty useful and we, we have here another example that we showed before about uh, the money management part so we'll I will be showing it again uh, if you know it already it's the like a bullet advantage strategy backtest without compounding and with compounding and you can see the total huge difference in average returns that on that example too but yeah it is a pretty pretty powerful concept and like if you apply it to also to the like to your trading management it can also be really useful to help decrease the the sizes of your drawdowns right because if you're risking a fixed amount of money like let's say 100 dollars every single trade 
like if you start with a $1,000 account, then $100, it's 1%. But if you lose half of that account, then $100 now becomes double that, right? And it keeps uh, increasing in terms of percentage risk. So it can make, like using a, a compounding method can also help you have smaller drawdowns or smoother drawdowns than that. I like that. So maybe you can get, kind of like pull up these examples of practicing to show the difference. Uh, before that, just want to go to some questions and then we can go to some, this example after, if you don't mind. That would be awesome. Yeah, I think it would be good to address some people in the, in the chat first. And awesome. Then we can... If you guys have any question on any topic, you can answer them here. That's why we go live because we cannot answer your question live when we're pre-recording and it's kind of boring. So we want to be live to kind of go through your question and, and interact in real time. So if you want to say hi or if you have any questions, make sure you comment in the chat and we'll be, we'll be able to go through your questions anytime. Okay, we'll kind of go, I think, in order and pick the ones that we are good to answer, of course. So I want to start with uh, Bruce. Bruce was, so Bruce was asking, if you are on the more conservative side of not taking trades till the move is confirmed, would you kind of take a bigger percentage of risk on the trade as normal, instead of normal, to be able to kind of make up for the aggressive entry? I can answer that. I can go with that. And the answer is I wouldn't, based on the fact that we know our stats and the risk that we take per trade is based on the stats we have. So it doesn't really matter if you're kind of too early or, or more late. It doesn't really matter. So you could risk more if you know for a fact that this particular setup is more reliable and you win more. And it's like your best, your A plus setup, you could risk more. But at this stage from myself, I don't see myself doing that too much. Yeah, I would actually go with the TN and I would actually say that it may be the contrary to what you are saying uh, about me to put Bruce's putting the, in the question. Because if you are waiting until the move is confirmed, that means that the move has already had more time to extend or it has already passed more. So it may be more likely that the move will stop like sooner now because it already has run some. So in my, my thought is, if your practice says that your, your, this type of confirmation helps you get better accuracy, then yes, you may be able to get that higher risk percent per trade, but you will have to check your stats and your risk of growing with that. But actually, I would say that in most types of discretionary trading, the more a move has started to run, the more likely that that move will not continue to run. So let's say you have had a, a bullish move in the past three days. If you have had the past three days with strong bullish candles, then the likelihood of the next day being a strong bullish candle decreases significantly. So what I will say, like it, it reminded me of a quote from one of the traders on the, on the podcast that said, I wait for a good entry and then wait for, get, for it to get better and then wait for it to get better, and then I enter my trade. What that means actually is that they wait for their, sig their signals or their, their ways determining to enter a trade, and then they wait for the price to get closer to their stop loss because that's a better entry in terms of now I am risking less amount of pips to win the same amount or even more pips for profit, right? So their reward to risk gets increased significantly. In that, so what they are doing in those sense are it's actually the opposite of this. They are not waiting for confirmation. They are having their trade, and then they are trying to get the tightest stop loss as possible. And I think that is also a way, like in 
you know, as Moritz trades and many other professional traders, they like to get their stop losses as tight as possible. So they like to get the enterprise price to be as, when we say aggressive enterprise, in this context is as close as possible to your stop loss because that will give you much better uh, reward to risk. That could change a trade from a three reward to risk to an eight reward to risk. And if you're risking 1% per trade, let's say like that, then that's a huge difference because before you were supposed to make 3%, now you're supposed to make potentially 8% uh, with that entry, right? So I would say that it depends on your accuracy. If these type of things increase your accuracy, that keeps your reward risk the same, then that's okay, you can do it. But I would not really say that you should increase your risk per trade. You should maintain within your limit. Now, if this is doing it's actually decreasing all your reward risk, then you have to see the complete equation because you may be having a longer accuracy without waiting for the confirmation, but a larger reward risk. And in the long run, that statistically could give you better results than having to wait for the confirmation but having to take a smaller take profit, right? So as always in trading, it is a more complicated thing, but uh, there are some guidelines that you could, like, but this is our own personal like uh, position on this, right? So this is like what, what I would think about it. And being more a discretionary trader, like a price action trader, my first goal of price action trader was to just learn the pattern. And my second goal was to try to nail the entries to be closer and tighter, like having my stop loss tighter and tighter, because that is where where the big money is in the long run for discretionary traders. Mm -hmm. Awesome, cool, perfect. There's a question here that asks, how much of your trading is algo versus manual? Is it full auto or 50-50 or whatever? For me, it's pretty, well, it's, it's pretty much like all algo, but I have a part that that would manually, in the sense that, I don't now trade both ways, actually only one way, but it's done kind of in a hybrid way where I, I do some things manually and some things I do with the algo. So if that makes sense. But in regards to the trading part, it's maybe like, I would say like 10, 20% manual and 80% algo probably. Yeah, and I think for me, it's basically the same because we are now using almost the same strategies. I just have an extra, which is more systematic strategy and I have a, discretionary one, but due to my recent moves, uh, I have not traded, well, this month November, so it's only three days, but last month in October, I think I only made uh, two discretionary trades, uh, but those discretionary trades were from the Bollinger Band Reversal uh, Trading assistant Notification, so it was, it is mostly like 90% now, really, the al algorithmic in terms of execution. But inside the algo, as I think said, we have the zones that are discretionary. We put the zones based on our own criteria. We actually have a video. We can put that later in the show notes uh, for a video about how to make support resistance areas. And that is basically the same way we do it. And we put it into the robot. And then the robot is taking the trades uh, now. And it is well, doing its job. We just really monitor it sometimes uh, for that. Mm -hmm. Awesome. Other question here, and we can go through examples just after this one, I guess. Uh, this question is from so Prague. Uh, the question is, hi guys, what kind of monthly or quarterly percentages of return do you normally see people who trade full time or for income and also saving in capital? So how much capital do people make per month? How much percent do people make per month? I would say it's tough to answer, but anywhere between two and five percent per month, I think is really good. And 
that's the stuff that will get you investors, will get you people interested in what you do and stuff. And you'll be more than that. Then if you want to get more than that, just risk more. But it's a question of like, again, it's the same thing we say all the time. Don't focus on the percentage return you make per month. Focus on the risk. If your risk is low and your percentage is fairly low, it's better than high, having a high risk and a high return, in my opinion. So look for that right multiple of risk to return and then just go from there. Yeah, for people that are money, like are managing money for clients, uh, last time I talked to a broker and he showed me more or less some portfolios, example of some managers they had. I have seen anything from minus 10% uh, on a month up to 80% on a month. Uh, but on average, the managers that didn't blow up in the first few six months, to eight months, they most of them did about 1% to 3% on average per month. If you consider that 1% per month equals 12% per year, not really, it's actually more because you are compounding. I'm going to show about, talk about that uh, soon with some examples. 1% per month is really about 13% uh, return per year. So if you go to 2% per month, it's around 28% per year. So doing that, it's uh, a lot of money because the largest investors in the world are not making, like, the, Warren Buffett's annualized returns, like uh, on average, compound the returns are closer to 11 to 13%. He has amassed a huge amount of money because, of course, he has been investing for the past, I think, like 30 or 40 years. So compound 11 to 12% per year by 40 years, and then you get a huge amount of returns, right? But the most common ones are realistic for people that are managing clients' money, which may have may tend to have a lower uh, risk uh, appetite than some traders. It's between 1% to 3% from what I have seen. Now, if you are a higher risk appetite trader and you can handle drawdowns and you are economically able to do it, then it is possible to get up to like 3 or 4% per month on average. But remember, that's just an average. You may have months of plus 15% and you may have months of minus 8%. So you have to be able to handle that variability in trading in order to be able to, to make it. Yeah, very important. I like it to answer this way. And that's a good answer, so perfect. So let's get to your example. You want to show your screen and, and show people the difference between compounding and not compounding, which is huge, by the way. Yeah, I will start showing the, let me remember how to show here. So this is the backtest from 2010 to the first half of 2019 of the volume of bank reversal it applied to the USD, Japanese yen, USD, USD CAD, UEP USD, and Aussie USD. Uh, this is most of them in the one hour time frame, and I think USD CAD is in the four hour time frame. Oh, UEP USD is in the four hour time frame. The other ones are in the one hour time frame. So basically, as you can see, like it's a pretty nice, pretty simple curve going from bottom left to top right, it's almost like if you make a straight line, right? From, like from one corner to the other. And you can see here the returns, I'm going to talk about the calculator. You can see here the total amount of trades, uh, but the total return, if we just uh, do it like it is, yeah, it is 191%, yeah, 0.96%. And this was basically 9.5 years. So it is around 20% return per year if we did it like a simple return. This is without compounding. This is using a fixed risk per trade. 
for fixed money risk. Basically, this was around 500 risk per trade take, or about, yeah, there is more or less risk based on the swaps and that. But it is about, about that. And, and then, just to make it clear, that's a portfolio, right? That's like uh, yeah, four, different, four pairs combined. Yeah, this is the backlist of, of all these pairs, USD, Japanese Yen, EURUSD, USD CAD, EP, USD, and Aussie USD. This is not a single pair, it's a portfolio of all the pairs, of all these pairs. Uh, at the end, trades more pairs. I also trade more pairs. And if someone uses the volume of an reversal, I think most of the people are using around eight pairs or yeah, more. Yeah, five to right? ten so, pairs from what I've seen. Yeah, exactly. So... This is just because this was what I got time to practice in the past uh, couple of months for that. So that is what I have hard result data <laughs> to, to show. So yeah, so it's pretty, pretty linear, pretty simple. But if you can get, like, it's still a pretty good amount of returns for this. So this, a good amount of returns, the drawdown is still about 7.4% drawdown. Once we transform it to 1% risk per trade, you're going to see that the drawdown increases. but the returns also increase significantly. So just keep in mind this net profit, total net profit of 191%. And now we're going to go through the returns. This is uh, a Google Sheet that I have for my own testing. Basically, I transform these fixed amounts into a percentage and then just put the whole log trades here and then calculate how much it goes. But it's really ugly outside. It's just numbers to make people busy. So I'm going to just show this section, uh, let's, let's zoom a bit, zoom a bit more to just show the, you know, like the main stats. So we have here the same 13, 20 trades total, and the stats are pretty much the same, all of these stats. But you can see that now we have a KGAR of 21%, but a KGAR basically means that we are having a compounded of 21% versus a simple interest rate of 21%. So if we go down, you can see the drawdown increase to 11.6%. But we see here the balance. Instead of being a single level, a line that is pretty, pretty rapidly straight, now we are having some more fluctuation. And here, near the last uh, four years, three to four years, we can see that it starts increasing like the, the parabolic and it starts becoming parabolic. If we increase the risk per trade instead of this amount, let's say, to... 2% risk per trade instead of 1% risk per trade. We give it a second for it to calculate, but we will see this to become much more parabolic. So you can see that the effect of the, the parabolicness, it starts pretty flat here and then it starts to compound pretty parabolic. So the compounding looks, looks more extreme with higher numbers, but we are going to keep the 1% risk per trade. So I'm going to click control set. Uh, I'm going to go down to the table which we have the here, the monthly returns. So total returns here is 551%. So this is the effect of the compounding over a distant year period. Instead of having 191%, let's round it to 200%, you are having 551%. So you are having more than two times, or basically more than 2.5 times the returns that you will have had without compounding. Uh, with the compounding, you're having 2.5 times more than uh, what you will have in returns. So this is the power of compounding in terms, you can see here that there are some losses, there are some relatively big losses months, there are some win big winning months, and, but, and the KCAR 
if you see it, it's pretty similar to if you just divide this number by the 9.5 years, right? But a huge difference is that the other one is simple returns or simple interest, and this one is CAGR. So if we come to a calculator, we can put this 21% here, 21% over 10 years, let's say just, you do not put any more money. You can see how your money stays the same here, but your profits, like every single month or every single year, you are getting more money for your money than if you were having like a simple, simple if it was simple interest, you will always get this amount of money every single month on these periods. But with this, you are getting much more money because this money that you gain here, plus the money you put in, is working to get you more. While using a simple interest or simple, but without compounding methodology, what you're getting is that this money is the only one working for you. And this money is just like, this money is just sitting here and this money is the one working for you. And this is just like a buffer or just, just there without doing anything for you. And only the initial amount you put is what is doing the work for you. So that is why in finance and investing, we always try to use compound interest because over the long term, it creates a huge, huge effect. So if we pass this to just like one year, over 12 months, there is still an, uh, an increase, but it is not as big as doing it over a 10-year period because you can see the more parabolic. So what compounded interest can help your compounding, your returns can help you for your own trading is that it can make it so that you can reach your goals faster. And then to that, you can also, if you have the capacity to start adding, uh, let's just put here 0.1% of your account every month, then you are increasing even more your amount of money. So here at the end of the 10 years, we had 730,000 uh, of interest, uh, just interest with the, Monthly deposits, but without monthly deposits, we only have 700. So you can see the big difference that it does on a, a long time. The, just the profits itself increase a lot, even if you can add. So this also comes to maybe like if you have the possibility, you can start with a small account, start adding money. And as a team, we'll talk about more. You have a graduation plan in which you can use a fixed money, but once you start get certain like goals or targets, you increase the risk per trade or the, the money you are putting in each trade. Or you can have, it's relatively more simple, in which you have a fixed percent risk per trade. And with that fixed percent risk per trade, you have automatic compounding up and automatic compounding down uh, to decrease the, the risk. So it is a relatively simple money management perspective to, to manage your trades, which gives you the power of compounding and also helps you to, to, to grow better. Now, we can talk about uh, other aspects of compounding, which would be, okay, you start with this, but then how to grow your account even more, right? Like I only have a certain amount of money. I only have up to X amount of money and I can add more to my account, but it will take a pretty long time. That is where you can like start getting, okay, we have this and let's say you can manage to make one year of on average, 3% to 3% returns per month, then you can then, okay, you have this compounding from your own account, and then you can submit that to something like the Axis Select program that we have partnered with, and you can get even more funding then. So 
You can see it as the deposit part we saw in the example in the calculator. It can be as a deposit, right? So you're getting money from other people to increase the size of the account. Of course, you're going to get a smaller cut of that amount of, of that money, but it helps to expand or to make your compounding even faster because now whenever you make 1% profit, it's not just profit over your money, but it's also the client's money. And then your small cut of that may be the same as 20% of your own money that you have invested, right? So that can make your account grow even more exponentially. And then you can keep investing that account until those returns from the account and or the managing from your clients' uh, money, like some from Axis Lift program or some MyFX book or a program uh, like FTMO or the five percenters, then with that, then you can go a transition of, okay, now I'm just doing this part-time to, okay, these clients that I have now, because they are basically clients, a program is a client, if you are in the facility program, they're clients, and my own capital are creating enough profits just from the profits, uh, just from the, like, the compounding or, and the profits that I'm getting that I can go full-time and I can, like, you know, like you can ditch your, your full-time job and now make uh, trading full-time or keep making it part-time, but now you have a full-time like income from that, right? So it starts with a small thing and it starts with applying the basic concepts of trading and it can grow up to that point and then you can get funding from other places. It surprisingly doesn't take that much funding to make a decent level from trading and money out there like there are many ways to get money out in the world but yeah so like it grows from one part and then you can start submitting to get even higher fundings and that can even grow faster to increase the exponentiality of your own trading accounts yeah like i believe like if you're the right person then money will find you if you're developed enough then money will find you easier so you just have to work together and once you get there then things are working out pretty well so that's awesome. If you guys like the explanation from Ariano on that, which I, I, I definitely did for sure, give a like to the video. I would appreciate this a lot. So we can see you like this, this type of, of stuff and this type of content. And I just want to summarize what you said in three points for you guys to kind of take notes and, and apply after. First of all, compounding is powerful. You need to use compounding. You can grow your money faster. Second, the effect of compounding is going to be magnified by your risk per trade. So if you risk a little bit more, you're going to magnify the, the compounding curve, which is awesome. You get the pretty cool curve, but you don't have to go there. If you want to go there, then go there. If you want to keep a regular risk that's lower, that, that's fine too. You decide it's, it's your choice. Okay. And third one, do not withdraw from your account too much. Because if you withdraw from your account, then you cannot use compounding. If you make profit like 100% per year and you take all of it away, then the next year is going to you start to zero. Because you only use your principal to grow your account. So bad idea to do that. Only withdraw what you need. The less possible, it's going to be better. And you will use compounding more and you will use the effect better. So those are two point, a three point summary for you guys to apply. Now I want to go to your question. We have a few minutes left. Uh, I have an issue with missing trades. I see everything in hindsight afterward because this, I find myself entering trades too early 90% of the time. Any tips? What really helped me do that and fix that was getting alerts on my trades. So when you get a system, a script that sends you alert for your trades, it's either good or bad and you know pretty fast if it's good or bad. So you know your setup, you know your entry and you get alerts. You have no choice for not entering trades. I'm the kind of person that if I see a setup, I tend to not want to enter it. That's my default state. I don't, I don't enter trade easily. So I have to get alerts, force myself to enter trades. So if it's right, if it's there, I get the alert, then I enter the trade no matter what. And 
that saves me a lot of time. So that's how I've been able to not miss too much trade. Now that there's a lot of options. Ayamu, you have any tips on that? Uh, yeah, I think the biggest will be to get either something to help you with alerts. Like, for example, yeah, TN has a trade assistant. We made it. And that's actually the original purpose of it. It was not to watch a trade or anything. The original purpose was for him to be able to know when he needed to look at the charts while traveling. So that is one of the ways. But, I mean, it will not stop you from missing trades because you miss the different alert while you are sleeping. And, of course, you're not going to take it because you are sleeping. So, or you are unable to use your phone at work or something like that. So another thing that you can do is to prepare your trades from before. So like if this happens, then I take a trade like that. So for example, depending on the type of trading you are doing, we don't know that. So I can just assume from what I do and tell you my experience with that is that many times uh, some trade setups start appearing before they are finalized. So you're able to say, okay, if this happens, then I take a trade, and you can make small scripts or use some scripts to put, like, okay, if we get to this price within X amount of time, then place this pending order, right? Or you can put pending order. If we are at this price, if we get to this price, then most likely we're going to get those conditions, then you have a, a buy stop or a sell stop or a buy limit, sell limit um, within a certain amount of time. So you could pre-prepare some trades like that, as always, you will need to like, see specifically what is your situation and your type of trading if it's suitable to have those type of things. Uh, the one that is suitable for most types, except for really discretionary traders, is to have some type of alert. And even for discretionary traders, you can make alerts based on price levels or similar things that can help you. You will have to do them manually, alerts. Manually create the alerts so that when the price gets there or something like that, it uh, notifies Yeah. And just remind me that I've done a video on that in the past, so I'll link it in the chat over here for you guys to watch it if you want. So link should be there now for that video on how to stop missing trades in Forex or in any market. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. Awesome. I'm, I'm also going to give the people now the link. Thank you for reminding me about the, how to draw support and resistance, support and resistance lines. Awesome. Cool. Perfect. Next question. How did you guys decide that you were ready to trade live? It's a question from probably... Uh, I guess. So how do you guys decide that you want to, that you were really to trade live and trade for a living? Uh, how long do you guys, or the results decide what you were, that, that you can bank on and make decisions? Okay. So how long have you been deciding that you could be going live? When did that happen? For me, it's a mix of three things. You got to mix the right capital. That's the first thing. Then the right strategy and the right mental state. If you have one that's lacking, then you might go live or you might go full time, but you have to go back backward after to get to get back on track so better have the three together for me the strategy came in first and then the metal state after and then the capital after so i had my strategy at my my mental state i was good to play straight stuff by myself but i didn't have the capital to go live full time so i ended up trading for investors for some time getting capital from investors uh, making money with that getting more capital for myself at the end and that's what it allowed me to kind of get capital plus i was saving a lot of money every month put my account in and grow my account faster. So it was like 2017 that I went full-time and I've been just going from, from there. So when you have the three in, in alignment, I think it's pretty easy to go full-time after. Yeah, exactly. But you have to have a three in alignment. And for most personalities, that is how it's going to work. I do think that there are a few personalities that if they are too comfortable, like if they have a, 
a day job or they have an income and that, and they are trading, they will not give the trading, you know, like their their all or their soul to try to make it work. So for some people, it may be better to have, okay, you have, let's say, you save, you manage to save three to six months of living expenses, and then you throw yourself out there and you are, okay, have these, you have your trading capital plus your capital for living expenses. That's important thing to note. And then you are like, okay, I have three months to make it or to start making certain level of consistent trading, right? And I know that there are some people out there that have to do that because their personality, if they have some other income helping them at the moment, they will not have been able to reach that level of mastery because their personality would not have allowed them to push themselves over with trading. So it also depends on your personality. But of course, that other option is the most risky because that may mean that you have the pressure. And for most people, the psychological pressure of I need to perform this amount of time or I will not eat next month uh, can be pretty bad or can be uh, pretty daunting and it can, can actually lead to pretty bad uh, trading and bad decisions. But for a few amount of people, that may actually help because they work or perform better under stressful conditions. And that will maybe be able to take them over the edge to achieve the consistency and the actual discipline they need. But for most people, I think that best, I would say like the most sensible thing to recommend to people would be have a good amount of money saved, like several months of, of your salary or of your living expenses saved so that you can live even when there are bad months. In trading, there are always bad months. And as a risk manager, that you have to be uh, in your own trading. You have to assume that the first months you start going full-time are going to be bad months. So you may have losses of profit, so you have to have some cash there to handle that. And then the second, I will also go back to when we talk about compounding, growing your account. If you would need your account to make, let's say, 20% per year to be able to make a living of it, and that is all you have in the account, then that's not good because that means that if you have a bad year, you're going to decrease account size. And if you have a good year, then you may likely want to give yourself a present or something like that, or like a vacation or something like that. So you may take out that extra money and your account will never grow. So ideally, you should be able to make double of what you need to leave so that your account keeps increasing, you keep the compounding powers, and you can make a living of it. So I will say that ideally, you can make uh, like that. And then I would also look at your, like how consecutive or how stable are your returns. Let's say if you have returns of one month, you have minus 5%, and the next month you have two, three, four, five 5% uh, wins, uh, then that's relatively stable. But if you have three months or four months of minus one, minus two, minus 5% losses, and then you have a month of plus 20, plus 30% profits, then that's going to be pretty unstable. So if you have like the second scenario, you may need a larger cash, uh, cash cushion because you will need to survive more, more months with potential losses before you hit those home runs. While if you have consistent, even consistent small profits, then it is easier to take out small amounts of profits uh, from that than to, be, uh, than to decrease your account during the, a loss, right? Because when you are in a small drawdown, you are already decreasing your account because of the losses. You don't really want to decrease accounts more by taking out money to live. So it is a thing of your personal life, your lifestyle, and then how much money you will need to sustain that and if you can make that uh, with the profits. 
and always assume the worst case scenario in those things because it's better to have some more money left over that later, if everything goes well, you can put back into your trading account and grow it, investing in that, than to be caught in the situation of, oh, I don't have enough more money to leave. I need to take out money from my trading account and you start draining it and then you have to go back to your, to get a full-time job because even if you were consistent, your account now became so small that it cannot sustain you, right? Yeah, exactly. Cool. Good answer. So I want to cover one last question before we end off this uh, live. If you guys like this so far, give it a like on the video. We appreciate it a lot. And if you're watching the replay, also give it a like. That just means that you like these things. If you don't like these things, then let me know in the comment section why you don't like, and we can make this better over time and improve as always. A question here from SC Sunchun is asking about the auto trader. So do you pause or stop or adjust parameters if you auto trader based on the current market condition? For example, Brexit, or just keeping it running to a default all the time. In my part, for, for myself, I sometimes adjust the settings, but not very often. So if I see something big is coming up and I really want to kind of change a parameter or change a stop loss or whatever, I might do it. But generally, I don't. Okay? So, and, and the answer is not, it's rarely to get better results. It's mostly most of the time to, because I feel better this way. So it's not the best kind of course of action usually because you want to do what's according to your plan, not how you feel. But in that case, if you feel like you should do something and you do it, then it's not the end of the world, but you want to limit that to only like the worst case scenario. Yeah, I think that is a pretty, pretty good answer. I would also say that in some cases, if you backtest it with all the market data and with all the things and you didn't take out some things, it may be good because unless you know that, well, most strategies, they will be performing bad maybe during news unless they are specifically designed for news. But if you don't know because you have not tested or isolated that part yet, then big news event may actually be a big percentage of your strategy. Maybe that your strategy takes a few trades with really high reward to risk during your news events, and those really quick profits are what have been making it profitable over the long run or it could be that they are dragging. So you have, I will say that you have to test, uh, ideally you have to test it, but as a general guidance, in my demo, I'm sorry, in my demo, in my manual trading, what's my demo trading, I do that. Manual trading, I generally do not take trades during uh, big news events. I try to avoid taking trades, but I may leave trades open. So I sometimes apply the same concept to, to the algorithm, to the algorithm that I trade. I just let it run, and if there are news events, I just don't allow the algo to take any trades. But if there's a trade open, I may leave it open. Or something that I have been doing more recently is I just decrease the risk more during those times. And most of the times that I actually manage, like, manage the algo or change the settings of the algo, it's actually because it made a threshold of losses or of profits that let me know that, okay, I should increase a bit the risk that the algo is having or decrease a bit the risk that the algo is having because it basically it, it has its own graduation plan, so it reached the graduation level, so it graduates to the next level of risk or it goes down a level in the, in the level of risk. But not that much really because of news. Uh, for some few news, I do try to avoid that. Now, if you are trading for a prop firm and you have to be flat or you have some rules about certain news in certain pairs, then definitely I would actually make a new algo that help manage my other algos to not take trades and to close any trades that need to be taken closed before any specific news events. Uh, but that would be more like the rules of your investor, in this case, a prop firm, 
than my own personal goals for, for trading. Awesome. Cool. So guys, we're a little bit short on time for now, but I appreciate you for being here once again. Just give feedback that we like to give to people to help you guys progress and get better. So link below if you want to check this out and we have some, some resources there for you guys to grow and become better. If you want to join us in the academy as well, we have some links there. And we'll catch you guys back here pretty soon. Ciao. Bye.